Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelsner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Andrea Vall, and we're going to explore how to test Facebook ads. And if you're doing ads and they're not working for you, then you're definitely going to want to pay attention to today's interview. By the way, want to reach me? You can reach me on Instagram. I'm at Stelsner, or you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. Today, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a really cool tool that's going to help you set up your YouTube videos for optimal discovery. It is called PreTube. PreTube. Talk to me. Yeah. So what this is, is it is a Chrome plugin for the Chrome browser. And what it allows you to do once you install it is you go to use it and you you basically uh, upload your thumbnail for your YouTube video. You plug in your channel name and some of your description, and then it does a it spits out a mock-up of what your video, the thumbnail, the title, the channel name, and all of that would look like inside of the sidebar on YouTube. Interesting. So if you know you've got too much text or something like that, it's going to show you where it's going to get cropped off? Yeah, exactly. It's going to show you like, oh, that's I can't read that title, or uh, I can't really you know make out what the text is here. So I better find a different way to design that, or you know, if the title's too long, where it's going to cut off exactly. So it's it's pretty helpful here. Awesome. Where do we find it? Well, how to find it is you go to the Chrome uh, store, and that is found at chrome.google.com/slash/webstore. And then once you're in there, you just search for all one word. PreTube, P-R-E-T-U-B-E. Awesome, Eric. Thank you so much for that brand new find. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. 
We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for my interview with Andrea Vall. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Andrea Vall. If you don't know who Andrea is, she is a Facebook ads expert. She's the author of Facebook Ads Made Simple, and her course is Facebook Advertising Secrets. And on the side, she is a stand-up comedian. Andrea, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Mike. It's great to be here. Well, thank you for coming back. So today, Andrea and I are going to explore how to test your Facebook ads so that you can maximize your results. Andrea, I would love to start with a why question. Um, I know you've been on the show multiple times, so I won't get into your story, but why is testing important when it comes to Facebook ads? Yeah, testing is huge. And I think that's what happens with a lot of people who say that Facebook ads don't work for them is they just haven't tested enough things because when you're testing, you can really narrow down what's working best for you and iterate on that and and make and make great improvements. So I've seen people go from like $100 opt-ins down to $25 opt-ins or you know, dollar link clicks down to 10 cent link clicks. Hmm. And it's just a matter of like iterating and testing and really um, seeing what's working and uh, being a detective in your ads reports to to find that out. And, and so when you can get like results that are four times as good or 10 times as good, you're going to you know, really increase your business, increase those leads, increase that traffic in such a powerful way. That's awesome. So what I'm hearing you say is that you can get better results for less money, or you can get more results, presumably, right? If you do, if you do a lot of testing now, is, is it plausible that part of the reason people don't do testing is because maybe it's confusing? Does Facebook make it easy or do they not make it easy? Oh, they, there are so many options now in Facebook that, they have made Facebook ads so much more complex than it used to be. So people don't know which levers to pull or which, you know, which are the kind of things to narrow down in, in things that will make the biggest difference for them. And sometimes people aren't testing properly. They're changing too many things at once. So they're not really getting good results. That's definitely point to the one thing that they may have changed that might be making the biggest difference. So, you know, you have to be super strategic and super systematic about your testing to really understand what's working. And we're going to get into your method of testing ads in in detail. But um, I guess one of the questions that comes to my mind is money and how much should we allocate for our tests? Um, I'm yeah. sure you get to ask that question a lot. So yeah, what's, what that's you- such a it's such a hard problem because you know it really depends on a lot of factors. It depends on you know what type of niche you might be in, what kinds of you know what you're advertising, uh, what like if it's going to be different for a local business versus someone who's targeting more worldwide audience, and and sometimes results are different. So you have to consider the significance of your results especially because, you know, if, and also your budget, you know, so you can't, if you have a $500 budget, you can't test a hundred ads because you're not going to get enough data on those ads. And, 
you also have to consider what it's going to cost for the objective you have. So for example, if you're in a market where a lead is going to cost you around $25, um, you can't, you've got to factor in the, that you have to spend more to, to really understand if that result is significantly better than one of the other ads. So it's a tough question to answer, but a lot of times what I say is just start by allocating maybe 10% to 20% of your full budget that you have for advertising in the testing arena. And then, you know, in general for smaller businesses, you might be spending like 50 to a hundred dollars per ad for, for that test period. So, so that, that kind of gives you a general result, but you may have different budgets depending on your market. Well, and I guess as I'm thinking this through with you, that if we, look at the testing phase as an investment, knowing right. full well that some tests are just not going to work, right? Right. Um, but the idea is we're investing some of our money to run tests so that when we invest the rest of our money, we're actually increasing the likelihood that it returns and invest uh, something on the investment. Is that right? Right. And I, I tell people the first part of your Facebook ads uh, testing is not going to give you great results. So you have to kind of mentally prepare for that, that you're not going to get good results. I mean, you might, sometimes people kind of hit it out of the park with their first ad, but usually you, you're not getting those good results till maybe a month or two into the testing as you start refining what's really working for you. But the good thing is, you know, you do some of this testing and you can reuse this information that you have because you can really narrow in on the best audiences that typically work for you, for example. Perfect. Okay. So um, let's get into your testing methodology. Um, Walk us through the phases, if you will. Yeah. So really... You, when you're starting with testing, I start with the audience first because there's really some big differences in audience versus creative. You know, creative is going to test some different things like the the images, but you want to start with an audience to really kind of say, okay, what are the the interests or the keywords or the the uh, targeting that is going to best respond, and you kind of start with an ad that you think will do well um, and use the same ad for each audience and see which one responds best. Don't just lump every keyword you can think of into one ad because you're not going to really know which keywords are are giving you the best results. And sometimes um, you can get better results when you narrow those, those audiences down a little bit. So, all right. Um, how many audiences should we be testing? Because presumably there's a heck of a lot of options out there. Right, right. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the other factor too. And it kind of goes back to what your test budget is and how many different things you can test. So typically for smaller budgets, I might say you're going to test 10 to 20 different things, for example. For a larger budget, you're testing lots of different things and you're probably always testing. You're always, you know, optimizing if you've got like a budget of over $5,000 a month, for example. Um, but if you're a, have a smaller budget, you might test like, you know, maybe five different audiences and then you move on to testing the creative once you get the audience that's responding the best. 
Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is take an ad that you feel like is going to perform pretty well and push it out against five different audiences. Can you give us an example maybe of one you've done for yourself or a client just to give some people some understanding? Yeah, so you know what I typically do is try some different um, different interests. Like you've got maybe some specific interests of uh, maybe fan pages that have your perfect potential audience as their fans. You take some of those fan pages, maybe some interest uh, keywords in there as well, and then you might test that against. Um, like a high value lookalike audience. So a high value lookalike audience would be something like where you take a list of your customers or you take a list of people who have a um, high lifetime customer lifetime value to you. Like maybe they're multiple purchasers, for example, and you use that as the seed for that lookalike audience. And then that's a high value lookalike audience that you would test against interest or fan page keywords. And then perhaps you might do something like job titles. If you know there's a particular job title who would who is your perfect audience as well that has a decent size audience on Facebook. So in the case of Social Media Examiner, if we were targeting people for one of our products, we could say that they're interested in Social Media Examiner, mm-hmm. that they maybe have visited our blog, right? That could be another audience. Am I right or wrong on that? Well, so that's a little bit different because that would be a retargeting ad. So, you know, that if that comes into play too, you might want be wanting to reach those um, people who are your warmer audience perhaps for a special offer. But if you're trying to reach a cold audience, then you might go out and say, okay, who, what pages are like social media examiner? And it could be something like Hootsuite or SEM rush or some, you know, some other right. types of fan pages that have a uh, targetable audience. And you would use those as your fan page keywords to reach the cold audience. But you might also have that, um, that potential to reach for the particular campaign you're doing, you say, hey, let's also make sure we're including our warm audience as part of the campaign plan we're putting together. Could we say lookalike audience from people that have visited our blog? Or is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you could say what I would do. So a high value lookalike audience for you would be people who have attended social media marketing world. And maybe you would say, let's narrow it down. Let's get a real high value lookalike audience of people who have attended multiple social media marketing world events. And then with that lookalike audience, help us understand, like, let's just say, let's just say we had like five or 6,000 people at the conference this year. Right. Um, you know, how big would the lookalike be? Can they be huge? It can be huge. So you can do 1% and it depends on the country. So, um, when you say, um, the smallest you can go is a, is a 1% lookalike. And that is pretty narrowly targeted, um, but it will depend on the country. So in the U.S., when you you would say upload the attendees of Social Media Marketing World as a custom audience, and then you would create the lookalike from that of 1% of um, closely matched to the attendees, and it would typically go out and find 2 million people in the U.S. If you go to, if you wanted to reach, like, say you went to, you said, let's go, uh, target people in the UK and you do a 1% lookalike, it depends on the population of the UK as to how many people that would be in that lookalike audience. Got it. So if we're going after a cold audience, you know, 
what I'm hearing you say is we could say people that have interests, you know, like they're interested in social media examiner or Mm -hmm. um, other companies. We could also potentially say they're interested in things like marketing, I would imagine, and all these kind of keywords, right? That would be one cold audience where we could come up with a bunch of those. And then, of course, we could do lookalikes of all of those. And then we could also come up with warm audiences like of people that have visited our, our, our blog, people that have visited specific sales pages, and then, of right. course, customers, right? So we can create right. all these different kinds of audiences that we could set up for testing. Is that what I'm hearing right. you say? Yeah. Okay. Right. And so we pick like five or six of them for our initial testing, and then what? Yeah. So once you run the ad, for example, just to, as a test, you would run you know, $100 for each uh, audience with the same image, same text, same ad um, that is uh, part of that campaign. And then you would take a look at the results and say, okay, which audience gave us the best results from this? And now what we're going to do is move on to the next segment of testing, which would be let's try some different images or maybe let's try a video and let's try some different creative with this audience to see if we can improve the results from there. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is find your best performing audience and or audiences, right? Because like if you had five and two were really hot and the rest weren't. Then, then what I'm, I, I would imagine we have a couple options. We could go after the ones that weren't hot and we can try to get them with a different message. Or would yes. you rather go after the ones that were hot and try to make them even hotter? Right. I would, I would spend, you know, for sure, like, again, with the, it depends a little bit on your large budget versus small budget. If you had the budget to say, let's really go out and test a lot of creative. But to really hone in quickly, I would just focus where things are the hottest and try and refine that and and improve those results because you're going to get the best bang for your buck with that. Okay. So when we're actually dealing with the creative, um, talk to us about what our options are. You kind of hinted at it, but let's go a little deeper. Right. So definitely a lot of times sticking with a single image is often a, a really great way to go. There can be different options for um, people who have an e-commerce site, sometimes the carousel ads do better, but typically single image ads perform well when we're talking about creative and then video ads are are another option. So I've definitely seen a lot better, uh, results from video ads than, than in like a year ago. They're definitely improving in terms of conversions from what I've seen. I used to always recommend that people just stick with single image and video ads more at the top of the funnel where you can then build retargeting audiences from video views. But I am still seeing, I am seeing now that videos are leading to conversions like they hadn't been in the past. So I would test different images and also different, um, different videos. And a lot of times the videos that look more, more real native, like recorded on a phone or something like that, can also be a, a better performer than a real slick, you know, well-edited video that looks much more professional. So things like that can catch people's eye. Okay. So what about the written word that goes around? These yeah. Yeah. And written word, you know, so here's the thing with... Um, when we're narrowing down our options, so 
like I mentioned, with larger budgets, you're going to be probably testing um, different, uh, you know, different headlines. You might be doing some dynamic creative where Facebook is rotating through the different creative elements you put into place, like the different headlines, different, different text in there and different images. Um, and they're doing that dynamically. But if you are, if you're looking to narrow down the things that you're testing, usually the biggest differences are in things like the the visuals. You know, visuals for sure is the biggest one. That's where I focus more of my attention. And then um, maybe long text versus shorter text that can also uh, come into play too. Now, people that are like me who are copywriters um, mm -hmm. probably put a lot more emphasis on the written message. Right. Then on the visuals, um, talk to us a little bit why you feel like it's so important maybe to put a little more emphasis on the visuals than it is maybe even on the written. Talk to us it's, about that. Yeah. So the visuals really are the thing that um, stop people from scrolling. So that's really with your ads, you know, people are scrolling through Facebook really, really quickly. And the visual is what catches people uh, people's eyes first. So that's going to give you the biggest difference. But for sure, you know, the text is important. And it is important to kind of um, to make adjustments with that. Um, I actually had a client where we changed out some of the text where we um, put a different uh, testimonial in the text than we had before. And we improved the results by a factor of two. So, you know, you do want to, you know, tweak some of that as well. And that kind of comes through the process. But if, again, just like taking some of those big rocks in what you're testing, the visuals are more important. Okay. Let's talk about the dimensions of the image and, or the video, because Obviously, you could do square, you could do 16 by 9. I don't right. even know if you can do vertical, but like, should we, t should we take the same image and test it in different dimensions? Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, if you've got the, but if you keep refining for sure, once you get to a point where you're saying this is the perfect audience, this is the, you know, a perfect message, let's try and tweak what, you know, one more thing, testing it of, more vertical image rather than a square would be something that you might do. But if you're limiting things, I would stick with a square image, especially because that um, translates well over to Instagram as also if you're, you know, advertising on Instagram too. Interesting. So for sure, like, like so many of us, I think, are using the 16 by 9 shape image, you know, the rectangle. Mm -hmm. Right. So we should really maybe start out with squares is what I'm hearing you say because yeah. it takes up a little more vertical space in the feed, For right? For sure. Exactly. Um, same with video, too? So, yeah, video is um, is also available in that more vertical uh, size. They've relaxed. They've made a whole range of sizes available. I'm seeing more people do square uh, rather than a vertical video, but I've seen, I've seen some do vertical video and, you know, when you're standing out from the crowd and doing something different, if people haven't seen vertical video, again, you're going to stop that scroll and it's going to hopefully lead to people, um, uh, learning more about you with your ad and getting over to your site or whatever your call to action is. Do you recommend that, um, obviously videos are harder to create than, 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 still images, right? So right. do you recommend maybe trying out maybe three or four different square images 
And then um, once you get one that really works, consider messing around with the copy. Yeah, for sure. That, you know, copy can be good. The other thing that is, um, you know, the next thing to test too is the placements as well. Okay. So, before we get to placements, I got yeah, a couple more, right. qu- I got a couple copy more questions. For sure. You know, yeah. you can definitely, um, maybe I, split this in phases, right? Because it yeah. sounds like if the image is designed to stop them, right. Then right. the next thing is going to be the message. Right. So, right. um, what about the video though? So like, I got a couple questions on video is it, I'm assuming most people do not unmute. I don't even, I don't really know, but right. do, do they give you those analytics in the Facebook ads as to whether the, the audio was played or not played on the video? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I've looked at the audio. Is it audio. safe for us to use captions? I mean, should we, yeah, should we always I'm, bake it, it in? Yeah. So I'm typically trying to use captions whenever possible. And I haven't even looked at, to see if it kind of gives you that. St- I think you've got the stats on whether your video was played, but I, I'm typically always doing captions. So, and I'm really, you know, I don't really care if people listen to the video. It, what really matters is if they take the action you want them to take. Right. Right. So I'm always optimizing just around that one goal. If it's a conversion or if it's a link click, for example, or whatever it is, getting a lead. Um, that's really all I care about. And, you know, so you can play around with, um, I just recently did an experiment where I did a video with me talking and inviting someone to opt in. And then I did a series of, of images where I had different text as, as a, a little part of the story. And actually I was a little bit irritated because, um, the one with me talking live did, did not do as well. So I was like, I was a little offended, you know, that's all right. Well, you know, (laughs) it's fascinating. I'm glad you brought this up because there's so many things we can do with video, right? We can just animate a little motion to stop. I mean, it depends what the objective is, right? If we want to get them to stop, it could be just a subtle little animation without any necessary like human face. Um, I would imagine you could for sure, use your face, especially if you're retargeting someone, right? And they already know your face. That would make a lot of sense, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know if uh, the same restrictions for text uh, are in video as they are in in images? And I know the restrictions have been lifted, but I also know that my understanding is that they still analyze the image to see whether or not it does have a lot of text or not. Is it the same with video? It is. They mostly are focusing on the the image that you have for the um, the thumbnail. So keep your thumbnail image with low text, and then you can have more text on the other images. Okay, crazy if you're question. Doing, if, or other video parts. Crazy you know, question. It doesn't it automatically play. So isn't the thumbnail kind of irrelevant? I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is, and but not everyone has it on autoplay. I see. Got it. Okay. Got it. So, all right. So, let's move on to placements because you were just about to go there. So, at this juncture, I'm just going to summarize. We talked about first and foremost um, determining which audiences are going to work best for your ad, and then secondly, experimenting with the visuals in the ad, and then underneath that, once you get some visuals that work, start messing around with the actual text in the ad to see whether or not different text converts better than other text, right? And then we're going right. to now talk about placement. So talk to us about that. Yeah. So, you know, definitely you can do Facebook kind of hides the placement, which always is a little frustrating to me because a lot of uh, new advertisers don't realize that, that you can edit your placements and choose just the places that are, that you want to advertise. Um, 
Typically, the one that's working best right now is the mobile news feed for Facebook. Hmm. But you also want to test things like Instagram placement or story placement or, uh, you know, the right column is uh, sometimes does really well, especially in retargeting for a sales message, for example, where there's just need to see you several times. So definitely try different placements. Um, I actually had some uh, data take or um, gathered for me from recent data from social bakers. And they were actually um, taking some data from the last, um, basically from November 1st, 2018 to January 31st. And they analyzed a bunch of their data and some of the lower cost placements they found on Facebook, what were things like the instant article or suggested video? Now, that could be there could be multiple reasons for that, and that was actually across all countries as well. So you know, sometimes you have to take that into account. But it's important to kind of take a look at some of these placements, like marketplace, for example, or places that you might not think about, like um, Messenger. You know, yeah, Messenger for sure is another one, and you can break out those placements into their own ads so that you can easily turn those placements off if they're not performing without disturbing the ad at all for the other the the other ads that are running at uh, with different placements for example so if i'm hearing you correctly is is the idea here to um and maybe hopefully facebook provides you this level of insight even if you choose all placements do they tell you which ones are costing you more which ones are performing better or less or is the only yeah. only way to know that is if you set them all up separately? No, absolutely. You can take a look at the breakdown reports and see which placements are doing the best for you and where Facebook is putting more of your money. Because when you choose all placements, for example, you may be funneling more of your ad budget into a placement you didn't intend. So it's a good idea to break some of those placements out if you want to be very intentional about how much money, how much of your budget is going to Instagram, for example. Or if you know that people respond to you in the stories placement, you um, you want to make sure that you are getting some of that and funneling some of that budget to the stories placement because sometimes Facebook doesn't give that placement any of the budget. So you want to control that a little bit more. I see. So I think what I'm hearing you say is if you say all placement, it might just kind of like, but you know, everybody's on Instagram in your particular case, you might want to just, just test Instagram up against Facebook or something. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Do you find that you're mostly doing the testing mostly just to kind of refine the costs uh, when you're in the placement (laughs) level or is it some other reason? Yeah, for sure. It's refining the cost. So, you know, there's different theories too about how that, how that goes. Sometimes Facebook kind of has you says that you're going to get better results when you choose all placements. But a lot of times what I find is when I can control my own costs in each placement and turn off the placements that aren't doing well, then I can get better, you know, better cost per lead, better relevance score. A lot of times I recently did a multi placement test for, for videos. And I definitely had the best results from the Facebook feed and the Instagram feed. Um, but I found some interesting results from Instagram stories, for example. So it's, you know, always good to kind of know where you stand with your ads. 
Um, do you use um, Google Analytics or UTMs at all to help you um, analyze things or do you rely exclusively on Facebook Insights? Yeah, I definitely use UTMs. I don't use them every single time. It's kind of just depends on how much I trust the the or or really care about understanding which ad is driving the best results for me. And um, because Facebook doesn't always report things correctly, and there's there's different ways to um, you know just do a double check. And definitely Google goals and UTM. Uh, links can really help that because you can really say, okay, this this for sure was the ad that led to this conversion, um, and it just helps you get a, a second check on that. Facebook a lot of times will kind of over-report how many leads you're actually getting, so it's always good to just understand that um, with a different source. Do you have any sense of what time period the user has to act in order for Facebook to credit an action to them? Like, is it a day or hours or do you know how that works? Yeah, you can set the, you can set the attribution window. So, and I typically am always for things like um, where I'm trying to get conversions to an opt-in, a free thing. I'm always setting it to a one day click attribution so that I know that they clicked on the ad and and then took that took that action and converted into a lead there because when you the default view that attribution window they have is a 7 day or um oh wow they tend to take credit for a little more sometimes than they what, do. than what they do even yeah. if someone has like seen the ad and so they might have seen the ad on Facebook but they didn't actually take the action on Facebook and maybe they took the action from an email you sent out. And so really that email should get the credit there and the attribution for that. Yeah. And that's where using UTMs comes in really yeah. handy, right? Because exactly. we, I'll tell you some of the cool stuff that we do with UTMs that I'm not aware that you can do this in Facebook, but we use uh, unique, you know, uh, campaign source and medium on all mm -hmm. everything we do. And then when we go inside of Google analytics, What's cool about that is it tells us time on site, which I don't think Facebook tells you. Yeah. So, for example, we've been able to tell, okay, for whatever reason, this ad set has got like a one second time on site and all the other ones are 60 seconds. Shut that sucker down. Right. Because to me, that says a signal that they're just not even sticking around. They're just leaving, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the kind of stuff that I think can be really valuable. Do you do that kind of stuff as well when you're analyzing? Yeah, for sure. And and time on site is a big one, too, because that really is, um, I mean, that's really kind of, like you said, indicating that they're interested. You can do things like uh, create audiences from how much time they're spending on your site, too. So that's kind of a cool thing where you can then, you could say, let's go um, create an audience that people are spending, you know, a certain amount of time. In Google or in Facebook, page. you can do that? On In Facebook. Oh. So that's that's creating an audience, but it's not reporting right. which audience, which ads are giving you the best time on site. But you, but with the UTM links, then you could see that. Another thing that was really fascinating because we, you know we got the e-commerce tracking set up in Google Analytics, as mm -hmm. hopefully most people do. Um, when we do kind of all placements, um, when we split out mobile versus desktop, it's pretty dramatic difference. I found mm -hmm. like the time on site for the desktop user seems to be so much greater. Yeah. And in our case, even the conversions were greater in this particular case for, for advertisements for social media marketing world, right? you know, remarketing. 
So we made the decision and we may have been wrong in this decision, but we made the decision that because it's a complex sale, a conference ticket that we were just going to try to target the marketer sitting at the desk, you know what I mean? Or on the laptop, because our hypothesis was they won't make the decision on their mobile phone to make this kind of an investment. Yeah. Um, but it seems like everybody's on mobile these days. So is that smart or not smart? So I'm seeing what I was seeing with my own ads recently was that I got more, and this was surprising to me, the, um, ads I just ran in January for my course, I got more conversions from the mobile users, which I, in the past had gotten more from desktop. Hmm. So I think there is more, there are more people who are, um, just using their mobile devices to make purchases and it could possibly be dependent on the purchase price. Like if it's a lower ticket item, they might be, it might be more of an impulse buy and they're not, you know, like you said, it's a more complex sale at a higher price point. They might be needing to kind of do a little more research with their desktop or feel a little bit more secure making that purchase with their desktop than a mobile device. From your experience, how good is cross-device tracking when it comes to Facebook? Because let's say, let's say you um, start on Facebook, right? You click on an ad that takes you to your website and then you finish up on the desktop. Is Facebook smart enough to know that or is it still not really that accurate? Because I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah. So they have, they have, they're starting to get um, more analytics in the Facebook ads analytics section where they're doing some more, um, you know, tracking little higher end tracking, but it's still not that great. Mm. So it's, you know, I think that they could use a little bit more, you know, advanced analytics in that way because it's, it's, you know, can be important to know. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about, let's say we've set up some tests. Um, how do we, how do we analyze the results and refine everything? Let's talk through that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, definitely you're, you have to make sure you've got the right, you know, you're looking at all the right columns. Typically I'm looking at. You're talking uh, about within Facebook yeah, ads within manager. The Facebook ads manager. Okay. So, you know, typically I'm using the performance and clicks um, default report to show me a lot of the data and then I'm adding in things like different uh, standard events or different custom conversions. If I want to look through maybe the steps they might've taken to see if they're uh, adding something to the cart, but then falling out or something like that. So, and then also looking at things like purchase return on ad spend um, and, and kind of uh, making sure that, we're getting at least a good return on that ad spend, optimizing around the specific objective that that we want. And, um, and real quick on standard events for people that don't know what that means, yeah. talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, if you are optimizing around a conversion, and uh, typically I think that's a, the best if you can. If you're trying to get like a conversion to a purchase or a conversion to have someone opt in to your free thing that you have, definitely optimize around um, some sort of conversion. And it would either be a standard event, which is just some extra code that you put on your website that would indicate whether that event was a lead or a purchase or an add to cart, for example. Ah, okay. um, 
or you would put a um, custom conversion in there that would be very specific, and it's just basically a URL rule that would say if they land on this page, it means that they opted into this thing or they purchased this thing. It's equivalent to goals inside of Google yeah, Analytics, exactly, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So you. Yeah. So so what I'm hearing you saying is in in um, Ads Manager, when you're doing the reports, you can kind of click on a couple more columns that maybe aren't defaulted. Is that what I'm hearing right, you say? Right, okay. So definitely make sure you're adding the columns you need to see in your report. So, Because sometimes what I've seen is that a certain ad is leading to a lot of add to carts, but it's not leading to a purchase, for example. So yeah. you want to see what's really happening with that traffic and say, okay, why might that be? And maybe say, is there some reason they're not following through with the purchase? Is it something to do with our website? Or is it just something to do with this particular audience or ad we're, we're testing, for example? Um, so then uh, you can do things like use those, um, those breakdown reports to really see some of the different options, like maybe it's an age range or maybe it's a country. If you've got multiple countries in a certain target that you're using, or maybe it's that placements where you can say, okay, let's see if we had multiple placements on our ads, let's take a look at where that spend was and see if there's something we can refine and, and continue to test. Uh, Rookie question. Uh, Do we have the option to take an existing ad set and kind of turn off some of the variables or do we have to copy it and make a new one? Do you understand what I'm asking? You never, you never want to, um, edit an ad set that you have um, going for a couple reasons. You always would want to create something new, and and the reason is you're gonna screw. You're not gonna remember that you changed some of the um, the data or the things that you were testing. You can see those changes in a in a change log, but you you know it's too difficult to like go and look at that, and it's kind of screwing up the data because you're. It's also screwing up the men- momentum of the ad for if you're changing, making those edits or changes. So you always want to create a new ad when you're testing something new or need to try something new. You can still use the same creative, for example, if you use the same, uh, you could say use existing post. So that way you're getting all the social proof of that previous ad and just pulling it into a new test where you're testing audiences or things, a different audience or a different placement. For How example. long do we run our tests before we consider them like, like good or bad? Yeah, I would say three to four days and you're going to get a pretty, um, it depends on the budget, but you know, you want to have a high enough budget, but run them for three or four days without doing anything to them. And you'll get a good idea of how they are out of the gate. I, I have seen some ads improve after a week or so, but usually you're going to have a pretty decent idea of how that ad is doing. How much time should we allocate to actually analyzing versus creating ads? What's your thoughts on that? Um, that's a good question. So, you know, analyzing depends a little bit on how many different things you might be testing. If you're, um, you know, I, I usually you can do some pretty good analysis in, you know, within a half hour or an hour or so, you can kind of look at that. But if you have a lot of different ad sets, then it might take a little bit more time. But you can do things like filtering and sorting um, by the results. So you can kind of bring the best performers to the top of the page and, um, you know, filter out things that aren't running or, you know, also it makes a 
a difference too, how well you're naming your ads, because if you're looking at the report and you've named your ads really well, then you could see exactly really quickly which ones and which audiences and what the, you know, what the differences might have been in your test. And you can then say, okay, this one, we're going to try this next or whatever. Do ads eventually kind of fizzle out? Should we like never, let's say we have yeah. a winner and we want to let it roll. Should we not let it roll for too long before we start right. analyzing yeah. it more? So one of the cool things that's available in um, in in the ads manager is the delivery insights. And that can tell you your first time impression ratio for ads to see if, if um, the audience is starting to burn out. Hmm. So the first time impression ratio kind of gives you an indication of how many people are seeing that ad for the first time. And it's a little different than um, the frequency because frequency is an average and you could have one person who's seen the ad nine times and one person who's seeing it the first time. So that frequency is averaged between those two people, for example. But first time impression ratio is giving you a percentage of the impressions that you have, what percentage of those people are seeing your ad for the first time. So once you start getting to, like when you first start running the ad, it'll be 100% of the people are seeing the ad for the first time, right? right? And then after a few days or a few weeks, then as your ad starts running, you're going to see that that first time impression ratio starts going to 50% or 40% or 30%. And then then that audience might be burning out. And that that's also going to make a, um, a difference in the size of the audience. So if you've got a big audience, you're going to have a longer time where that first time impression ratio is still pretty high um, versus a smaller audience where you might be retargeting. After a few days, they might be burnt out because they're all seeing that ad, you know, have all seen it at Perfect. one time. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for sharing all your insights and wisdom on testing Facebook ads. Um, tell everyone where they can discover more about you and the stuff that you have to offer. Yeah. So you can find me at andreavall.com. I also have some comedy clips there too. So if, you know, people can look at that too. <laughs> cool. And Vall is spelled V-A-H-L, Andrea Vall. Andrea, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. All right. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. It was great. Hope you enjoyed that interview. By the way, if there's anything we mentioned in today's episode, and you missed it, we took all the notes for you. You can find them at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 352. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.